My darling girl, when are you going to understand that being normal is not necessarily a virtue? I'd rather denote a lack of courage. You've just entered the cool friend hour. <laughs> everybody welcome to another episode of the ghoul friend hour i'm your host morgan feza and i'm your host taylor jones let's, let's get, get weird. weird so close we did it we did it though that's pretty good that's yeah, pretty good that's, that's, okay. that's okay so today we are going to kind of talk about a little bit of a hot topic um there has been I don't know if it's something that's just resurfaced because um, it definitely didn't it didn't happen like recently. Um, but there was a case that came up um, about a woman by the name of Caitlin Rustin who died under pretty mysterious circumstances following a failed voodoo ritual. Um, and so we thought we would kind of take an approach to this. Um, to do a little bit of education and talk about the spooky things that happen when we try to um, culturally appropriate closed practice religions, closed practice beliefs. Um, and we're going to kind of talk about what is a closed practice. And then we're going to really dive into um, the days leading up to her death and some of the theories behind what happened. Um, so, First and foremost, I'm going to give credit to the awesome Jordan Saladino, who lended us her um, educational article on closed practices and kind of describing what they are, what they mean. Um, so to kick this off, we're going to talk about what is a closed practice. So there has been a ton of misconceptions about what constitutes a closed practice um, within spirituality. So a closed practice in which witchcraft, which cat, I can't talk today. <laughs> um, <laughs> meow. But <laughs> a closed practice in witchcraft and the occult refers to a practice in which you can only take part in their craft if you were specifically born into the practice or went through a serious <clears throat> initiation process. One of the most common fallacies regarding closed practices is that if you weren't initially born into the community, you will never be able to practice, which can be the case in a variety of instances, but there are some exceptions. It is essential to note that these practices are closed until the individual is vetted and the designated initiation process has been completed. So some people will kind of refer to um, the biggest one is really voodoo and that's kind of what we're going to center this podcast episode around is voodoo is um it's called different things between different uh cultures um but it's a closed practice nonetheless um it's an ancestral practice it is something that you do like it, it is closed until you follow that vetted process um it's not something that you can never practice although there are some religions that are just simply closed and unless you are of that 
um, descent or ancestral line, you will not be able to practice it. And most likely, if you try, things will backfire or not work. Um, So with voodoo, a lot of the times you will get people who, through the ancestral line, have been born into it or have been... um, indoctrated into some kind of tier level of mastery are able to teach um, and are able to kind of mentor you. And then once you finish that mentorship, um, you will be indoctrinated into it, you will be initiated, and then the practice will no longer be close to you. But it is a process and it is something that um, truly, you know, we say that respect is not just given, it's earned. It's one of those, those practices that you truly have to earn it. You have to put your heart into it. Um, and all jokes aside, your soul into it. Um, it's something that, you know, has to be taken seriously. And a lot of people, uh, me and Taylor have talked about the way that things have been commercialized and joked about. Um, and although in New Orleans, where voodoo is commonly associated with, um, it's one of those things where it is still commercialized. Um, so, people will go there and they're looking for different spells and they're looking for, you know, ways to, um, practice voodoo and, and it's a, it's a fad. It's a cool thing. It's a one-time thing. And you have to understand that this is the type of religion when we talk about closed practices, if you practice it once and it's for clout or it's for some sort of attention, and your ego is coming before your practice, um, that's cultural appropriation. So that's a big no-no when it comes to a practice like this. Um, So kind of getting back to what is a closed practice, it says basically that there is always a cause for some religions that are just simply closed point blank period you cannot be indoctrinated into it you cannot do an initiation process um some reasons that there you know it may just be simply closed is that it's founded on a specific cultural value and a belief system that would never be understood by outsiders who were not truly immersed in the community um brujeria and santeria are examples of this they are um closed practices to which you cannot be indoctrined to um just from what i've I've done research on this could um for some communities this may not stand true so i apologize if that is not the case um we have i've done some pretty decent research on this um so i'm hoping that everything that i'm kind of reporting is standing true today um but like with any religion there's always constant turning parts and changes so um The next thing that we're going to kind of touch upon is closed communities and race-locked spirituality. So it's basically said in this article that while it is critical to analyze specific practices within some religions, it is even more vital to address on a larger scale how entire communities can be closed. Differentiating between closed communities and closed practices reduces the likelihood of gatekeeping and reinforced marginalization so some closed communities include the amish the roma judaism uh, mysticism kabbalah hoodoo and haitian voodoo a reason a variety of communities may close their practice is that they are deemed as race locked so that basically is just indicating that these communities were created as an attempt to unify together during times of hardships hardships Good lord. (laughs) My tongue is on its own journey today, let me tell you. Um, 
It's an attempt to unify together during times of hardships with their beliefs formed around their shared experiences. So um, that's kind of how it differentiates between a closed community and then a closed practice. Um, So basically region, this is a tongue twister guys, so bear with me. (laughs) Region locked religion. Say that five times fast, Taylor. Oh God. Region lock religion. Region rock. Region lock religion. Region rock origin. Region rock right, origin. Scooby Doo. <laughs> Rut row raggy. <laughs> Wait, so, no, because that just made me think of the scabbardy scabbard. Scabbardy. That's literally what I was thinking of when you when you went to say it. I was like, oh, I'm totally, I'm totally gonna bring this up. And then you did it. You read my mind. Um. So region locked religion says, while some faiths may be closed due to being race-locked, there are also religions that are closed because they are considered region-locked. This means that they are closed because they are based on values specific to that location. Many times these values are centered around local elements that would not make sense to somebody who is from outside that location. This is the reason that some, but definitely not all, small Shinto sects are examined as closed. Um, now, if we wanted to look into what Shinto is. Shinto is a religion. It's just an indigenous religious belief and their practices of Japan. Um, The word Shinto, it literally just means the way of Kami, um, generally sacred or divine power, specifically the various gods or deities. So there's, you know, there's Buddhism, there's things of that sense, but I'm not going to dive too much into that because we are here for voodoo. (laughs) We are here for, for voodoo. Um, but maybe we'll get around to that because it does sound interesting. Um, now one of the most hot topics, um, and things that we see a lot on social media, but also has been getting a lot of backlash has been something called poach practices. So you're not going to recognize when I say poach practices right away, but it's basically the widespread amount of misinformation emphasized by ignorant users on the internet. So... This is basically people seeing something and going, oh, that's cool. I want to do it. So kind of what I was talking about earlier with the um, the appropriation, you know, stuff that's just absolutely inappropriate and should not be practiced unless you're genuinely interested in it. And it shouldn't be a wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. I'm going to practice it once and totally just disgrace an entire culture or make a joke of it. Um So one of the biggest ones that we have been seeing, um, and I'm sure Taylor, you can attest to this, um, has been a huge, huge increase in native cultural appropriation. Um, The natives being one of the biggest targeted um, appropriation cultures that there is. Um, So basically there's just been a lot of inappropriate use of indigenous spirituality. As Mm -hmm. somebody who is indigenous myself, um, I don't know too much about my culture and it's something that as I'm getting older, I'm really looking into. Um, I did not realize truly how much my lineage has gone through. Um, Taylor, aren't you, I believe, native as well, aren't you? Um, maybe I haven't done a whole lot of research. I definitely have to look more into it. Okay. Um, I'll get back next episode. My, my dad is French Canadian. So, um, our, 
he has like a he had I think he had a Native American. It was a he was part of a tribe um, where he had come from a long line of the Algonquin. Um, I think is how you say it. Um, so it's something I started to do a little research on. But the more that I kind of started to dive into that, I started to realize just how badly um, the inappropriate use of Indigenous spirituality has become, especially in today's TikTok age. Um, so basically, it just is saying that there's a multitude of sacred Indigenous practices that are considered closed, such as white sage smudging, which is a big one that people are getting a lot of backlash for, and the use of Palo Santo. So yeah. with the increase of ghost movies, um, ghost shows, you know, a lot of the first things that you see in all of these is if you have a demonic presence, if you have a spiritual attachment, if you have a spirit in your home, a haunting, you name it, everybody's like, oh, you got to smudge, you got to sage. Mm-hmm. And it's one thing to smudge and sage if you know you're part of the lineage you're part of you know you're consciously practicing it on a daily basis you have an understanding of what you're doing and how you're doing it and you're respectful of those ancestors it's another thing to go to the store probably buy an unethically sourced bundle of sage and just start waving around your house with all your windows closed it makes me cringe please stop doing that it's actually crazy because when i was first starting into the like witchcraft practice and it's hard when you're looking on the internet nowadays because most of the time you're either going to get majority of it's misinformation and then you find like little bits of actual like true facts um beneath all that misinformation but i had remembered buying like I'm guilty of buying um, sage and I had Palo Santo and then when I started doing more deeper research I started realizing that especially when I think it was during COVID when everybody was starting to take it as like you know witchcraft is more like an aesthetic hobby um, like when Sephora came out with that witch kit and that was like 50 50 there was like people that were like hating on it and then you had some of these more um these younger generations like oh like crystals and all this stuff and it's like the stuff that you're getting in there one Mm -hmm. is probably not even ethically sourced two probably is just plastic yeah and i'm like or like painted shit but as soon as i started reading more of that information like i immediately stopped like i started researching more into finding other ways like there's so many other ways you can cleanse a space without needing to use those there's so many other things that you can do to like water yeah there's there's so many things sometimes when i feel like there's negativity in my safe space in my environment i'll put together like a little concoction of things like cinnamon or you know like tiger's eye or lavender like the staples that i always like to have are like cinnamon lavender rose rosemary like those are all just as good as white sage or palo santo but see the difference i think there like just this is my personal opinion is that you were you were trying to learn everybody starts somewhere Mm -hmm. you know i'm you know i'm sure when i started smudging um i was probably maybe not doing it correctly i knew that you needed to have windows and doors open i don't necessarily know that i was putting my heart and my back into it but like everybody has made errors in any kind of practice and i think that you'd have a pretty big ego to say that you've never made a mistake um as long as you acknowledge it as long as you acknowledge it and you know that like you made the mistake and you try to like 
learn about it that's what i always do and i'll actually talk about that in a second because there was another incident which is in one of the articles i was gonna touch base on and i think you actually read it too because you mentioning the sephora kit that might be from the (laughs) the same place that i was reading um well i just remember when that came out because i was like flabbergasted i was like i was kind of offended (laughs) because it would honestly like i'm one of those people that like when i truly put my heart and soul into something and then it becomes a fad mm-hmm. like i mean i get really I ups- like- i get really defensive and upset when it comes to stevie nicks because there's some people i can't even name a song and they're like i love stevie nicks i'm gonna wear a kimono and i'm gonna yeah. twirl but and like, I'm like she doesn't even we i think we talked about this like a few episodes ago that she doesn't even really i mean at least from what people have said like she doesn't even really do witchcraft she just liked the aesthetic like the look of it and so yeah i mean unless she does and maybe she's just a closeted witch but like people have gone so far to the point where they're like i mean i know we're guilty of it too sometimes but like where we you know people are like worshiping stevie as like the witch god like she's like her own like everyone's see i'm just more of like a like it's not so much that she's like for me it was it's not like so much that she's a witch god it's that I just like love what a strong like pathway carver she is. Like I feel like for a lot of women she's just yes. kind of she's done a lot of things that not a lot of people would agree with and she's mm-hmm. just stood in her truth and just been that person. So when I see people sensationalizing her and and this is the same thing with like closed practices and stuff like that it's like i can only imagine how some of these people feel because it's like when you truly love something you admire something you idolize something and you it's something that you hold to a high standard and then you see sephora come and put this cheap thing i'm not even gonna call it like a spirituality kit it was honestly embarrassing i'm like you don't mix that with makeup like that's just it's you're creating a joke out of something that should be taken seriously and you're also stigmatizing and you're creating so much fallacy for these young like it just i feel like that kind of behavior is what carves the way for people to do really stupid things mm-hmm. and it, and sometimes it's like you can't even blame the younger generation because they don't know better and maybe they don't have the tools for the education they don't have the right mentors <laughs> in their lives so like to them they you know that's how portals get opened up that's how dabbling happens that's how mm-hmm. mistakes serious mistakes are made and people end up with a lot bigger problems than just a Sephora kit that probably doesn't even work. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just, you know, small things like that lead to larger impacts. And so that's kind of what this episode really is about. Um, but what I was going to say about you is that what is important to remember is that when you started somewhere, your intention was good. Mm-hmm. Like this wasn't an intention of, oh, I'm going to get this sage and I'm going to do this and I'm doing this because it's a fad. You were doing it because you were like, this is my path. This is my purpose. Now, how do I harness it? And you started to do your research. You realized that it was not a good practice and you fixed it. Mm-hmm. And so the intention was always there. Whereas like for some people who are these influencers or people who don't the intention is not there to to practice this continuously and it's not part of their path and then they just kind of go well I'm just gonna do it because it's the cool thing to do that's when your ego becomes a problem and that's where you get into some sketchy territory yeah 
there's um <clears throat> so the the reason why i want to bring this up quick it's part of that article that i was talking about is because there was another <clears throat> example that i had where i had actually had done or had something that what shouldn't have been something that i had done and i somebody had pointed it out to me and i ended up actually fixing it but this is where like I'm going to read it first and then I'm going to explain because I always get ahead of myself. But uh, these two women who wrote an article um, by the names of Jess, I'm probably going to pronounce her last name wrong, but it's Jess Joho and Morgan Sung. They wrote a whole article about how to be a witch without stealing other people's cultures um, in part of their... Oh, I got to scroll down to it. Um, They were talking about different types of you know appropriation and like how it's affecting things and like the difference between aesthetic and practice and at one point they had written so like the chakra term for example this is what they had written is is language specific to the south asian religion of hinduism but urban outfitters now sells chakra body sprays under a general aesthetic of mysticism meanwhile smudging with palo santo and white sage is a sacred ritual for many native american tribes who only pass down the practice to members of their community it was illegal for native tribes to practice smudging in the u.s until 1978 but in 2018 sephora sold a starter witch set, which um, had white sage in it, <clears throat> um, over harvesting to meet demands of the trendiest uh, of the trendiness is making white sage increasingly inaccessible to the native communities. Then, and I'm not going to say the word because I'd rather not. I learned from it. There's a term you can look it up. It's a racial slur used to persecute Romani people. I think that's how you say them. It's the G word. Um, but now a lot of brands, um, this is, but now used by countless brands to market a bohemian look through fortune telling and crystals. So the reason I bring that up is because when I started my Etsy back in 2020, well, it was like 2019, it was right before COVID had hit. And, uh, I decided to name, I was trying to come up with like a really good name for my shop. And I had come up with Sunflower and the word and I had it for about maybe a year or two and then when my Etsy started picking up a little bit somebody had reached out to me personally DM'd me on Instagram and said hey like I totally respect you know your hustle and stuff um I love all the stuff you got I just wanted to feed you some information take with it what you will but um you know that word that you use is actually a racial 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 slur to um romanian people and um she's like you know if you want to do anything about it go for it if you don't like definitely do some research so i did um and then that's why i ended up rebranding my entire um etsy to now what is sunflower moonchild because i was like you know i'm not gonna keep that especially you know after doing all the research especially now that i know if I were to keep it, that would just be like an asinine thing to do. Cause that's just, yeah. I would never want to hurt anybody. And so I learned from it. I acknowledged it. I researched on it. And then I decided like, it wasn't going to hurt me. It's not like, you know, I don't have a big business. So it's not like I was over here, you know, losing lots of money, trying to rebrand things. And there was things I did have to rebrand, but I didn't mind doing it. Cause it meant that I wasn't going to be, you know, hurting any possible people. 
Yeah, absolutely. And you know, it's actually funny that you say that because I totally forgot that that is like a taboo word Mm -hmm. and it's a bad word because my friend Katie, um, it's funny because you and Katie remind me so much of one another. Um, Katie is very, very ethical. She's always kind of kept me on the straight and narrow when it comes to like taboo stuff and kind of like that person that reached out to you she's always like gently giving me a poke or a reminder anytime that she's kind of like eh, don't know if that's a good choice and I remember that yeah. and this was a long time ago which is probably why I forgot about it um I was trying to find a name for something I don't know if it was photography business or what and again just trying to align with who I am pick the g word and um she was like that's actually a bad word she's like don't use that and I was like a bad word I'm like Esmeralda in the Hunchback of Notre Dame was one I'm like so how bad can it be and like I was very ignorant to that you don't realize how bad like society has appropriated things and hidden things like you have to really do your own research otherwise either someone's gonna tell you or you're just gonna think that it's okay yeah and I think because you see so many businesses with that name um Mm -hmm. I didn't really even think about that. So, I mean, um, that's a, you know, I owe an apology to some of my listeners for my part in that because I feel like um, I didn't even realize that and it had been sent to me so long ago, I didn't even think about it. Um, So, I mean, that's a great point to bring up. Mm -hmm. Um, But really, that's what a poached practice is. It's really just the, it's the inappropriate use of it's stealing somebody else's culture to fulfill your own culture and kind of follow your own path which you don't need to do in order to do that like if that makes sense there's so many different ways that you can follow your path without taking from somebody else's and kind of spitting on their stuff um and so another thing with poach practices and the the correct um definition for it is with marginalized groups being so historically mistreated and often persecuted for the beliefs in order to survive, it was basically necessary for these communities to close their religion to outsiders. So these religions were not always closed, but due to the fact that as we do what we always do, we fuck around and we find out. That's how I'm going to put that. We're going to call a space date. fuck around and find out. <laughs> Hashtag. <laughs> throw a hashtag on that hope (laughs) (laughs) hashtag fuck around find out um so uh basically um as closed rituals like smudging gained attention the supply of sacred herbs designated for indigenous communities became endangered which is what you had touched upon um and not only does the environment suffer um from the colonizers capitalist profits but so does the sanctity of a native practice and that's so that's kind of what we were saying is that you know you're not only are you kind of feeding all this money to these bigger retail companies and mind, you know, mindfully destroying a beautiful practice in the process? Um, but you're hurting a lot of feelings and a lot of long, you're basically taking a shit on long, beautiful, important ancestral lines um, and, and just being another part of the problem. And that is not what we do at the Girlfriend Hour. We are a part of the solution. We are not a part of the problem. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of the biggest part of this episode today is before we get into the spooky stuff, we're going to educate you on the right, the wrong, and how to not fuck around and find end out. up. Yeah, fuck around <laughs> and find out. Not end up in a ditch. 
what are they? Uh, oh no, that, that wouldn't that wouldn't apply here. I was gonna were say gonna snitches say end up in ditches. Get... Oh, I told a kid. <laughs> that the get other ditches. Day. A kid tried to tattle the other day at camp, and he was. I was like, boy. Well, I said it wrong. I said stitches get ditches. I was like, that's not right. <laughs> <laughs> and then one of the counselors were cracking up at me. I was like, it's been a long day. Snitches get ditches. Honestly, I'm gonna put that on a t-shirt. <laughs> snitches get ditches. Oh, I gotta fix my freaking. I gotta like. Beethoven hair right now. I don't know what's happening. I think I should be playing a piano. <laughs> it looks like you know how they like tuck their hair back and they have like long curls. Yeah. Like I don't. I just yeah. Whatever. <laughs> I don't know. I, like, um, I washed my hair and I I let it frizz. But I like your hair. It's like beach wavy. Thanks. Not for long. It's gonna get funky tomorrow because I didn't braid it. That's alright. That's okay. That's fine. Fuck around and find out. Pretty much. So <laughs> we're gonna just talk. Um, about what the article kind of finishes up with is looking into safe, effective, and respective alternative for smoke cleansing is a wonderful way to show direct acknowledgement for those who sacrifice their livelihood for spiritual freedom. So that's really how to show respect and not participate in poached practices. Um, Another thing is how to practice respectfully. So the best way to learn about ethical practices is to thoroughly research the history and origins of modern witchcraft. Um, Along with any other culture, this is not just witchcraft, but this goes for everything, whether it's an open practice, a closed practice, but something that you can be indoctrinated into through an initiation process, whatever it may be you need to practice respectfully that is the number one rule you need you know somebody said to me in the ghost hunting world that one of their number one rules is that you leave your ego at the door ego is the number one reason people fuck around and find out out. yeah so (laughs) let's not do that um so like taylor said One of the best ways to learn about ethical practices is to thoroughly research the history and origins. Um, So even though it sounds tedious and it's it's just one of the many responsibilities that are associated with appreciating the practice and not appropriating. So much of contemporary spirituality, borrow information and exchange ideas and intentions from various different cultures. And understanding the history of these roots helps identify whether this is being done consensually and courteously. While components of spirituality may just be a trend now, at the end of the day, these practices are embedded into centuries, centuries, let me say that again, hold on, centuries of historical values. You know what it is? I feel like anytime we ever have a word that we can't pronounce and we, you know, mess it up, I think we should just whisper it. Just ASMR it and maybe it'll I feel like I right. say it better when I whisper it. Yeah. So from now on, we just whisper it. It's like... All right, uh, so if we mess up seen... and you hear us whispering, we're just trying to enunciate because we <laughs> you can't seen, function. Uh, Brighton's Beach Memoir? No. Are they... You've never seen that? Oh, my God. They, like, basically... We do this in our house all the time, like, where they wouldn't say certain words like diseases out loud because if you said it out loud you'd get it so they'd go like cancer and they would just say it like that and i you have to watch it it's the best i'm gonna i'm gonna watch that now because actually sound, we should make that a practice in this podcast oh my god we're gonna That's whisper so it from now on if we can't say it just whisper it pretty much so says while the components of spirituality may just be a trend now at the end of the day these practices are embedded into centuries and centuries of historical values and we owe it to those who created the craft to treat them with the highest regard so keep that in mind as we continue on 
So really where we're going to kind of go from here is now that you know the difference between some of these practices, we're going to just very gently delve into voodoo and voodoo history. So basically there's many different, there's, there's many, many different types of voodoo. There's many I don't want to say, not like many different types, but there's, I guess, two types, but they're kind of broken into different nations. So there's Vodun, and then there's, which I hope I'm saying that correctly. Um, I apologize if I am not, I'm going to do my best here. Um, but there's Vodun, and that is practiced by some of like 30 million people in the West African nations of um, Benin, Togo, and Ghana. Um, They have countless deities, animal sacrifice, and spirit possession voodoo, as it's known to the rest of the world, but it's often one of the most misunderstood religions on the globe. So, as we all know, voodoo has been absolutely sensationalized by Hollywood, demonized demonized by Christians, Christian missionaries, and parodied in New Orleans tourist shops. So this is kind of what we talked about earlier. Um, I'm going to give credit to NPR for this wonderful article um, featuring uh, from, I guess all their facts and stuff came from a man named John Burnett, who traveled directly to Benin and Togo to explore the direct roots and current practice of the ancient belief. Um, And so... He found some truths behind the hype, but he also found a lot of differences than what is sensationalized here in the U.S. Um, Basically, West Africa was once known as the Slave Coast because it was at the center of the transatlantic slave trade for centuries. African slaves brought voodoo with them to plantations in Brazil, Haiti, Cuba, and Louisiana. 400 years later, the religion still remains a central part of spiritual life for millions living in West Africa. So, a man by the name of Jean-Vierre Houlounan said that voodoo is older than the world. He's a tour guide in Berlin and a lifelong voodoo practitioner. Um, they say that voodoo is like the marks or the lines which are in our hands. We are born with them. Voodoo are in the leaves, in the earth, and voodoo is everywhere. So that's truly the beating heart of West Africa, these cultures. Voodoo is very much seen as a, bl- like when you hear people talk about it who know what they're talking about, they really refer to it as like, the blood that carries the oxygen through their bodies. It's something that you're born with. It's not given to you and it is just generationally passed down. Um, so it, it's a, it's one of probably one of the more powerful um, practices and people a lot of the times turn to voodoo out of the mistake that they think that there will be instant gratification. Now, although it's more powerful and yes, People who are indoctrinated into this closed practice or have been born into it and practice this may see more instant results or more powerful results. If you attempt this and are looking for that instant gratification, the only thing that you're going to get is instant regret and probably, I don't know, just bad stuff. So don't do it. Um, yeah. So, um, Every year in the village of Glaji, 30 miles from Togo's capital city of Lome, members of the Gwyn tribe gather together for the ep- 
Epi Epkipi. I can't. Whisper it. Just whisper it. Buttery flaky crust. <laughs> okay. I'm close enough. So, <laughs> um, so members of the Gwen tribe gathered together for the Epi Ekpi festival. Um, part like family reunion, part New Year's Eve, part religious worship style kind of celebration. Basically, the highlight of the festival is the sacred stone. It's sought by a priest within a sacred Walden forest. The stone's color portends the fortunes of the coming year. This year, the stone he presents to the gathered crowd of 5,000 is white. That basically signifying wealth, happiness, and an accident-free world. So these are just small examples of how there are truths and and similarities between some of the cultures that we see in the U.S. and how the U.S. maybe has taken some little bits and pieces of certain cultures and created kind of their own world here. Because just like the new year, we watch a ball drop. Although the ball, the ball has the ball, the ball <laughs> the has ball. many colors. <clears throat> Same thing. Um, and we just kind of watch it like fall out of the sky, and we're just like, oh, a new year. I mean, you know, it's it's similar. Like they have a stone that is a color and signifies what the year will bring we have a ball that falls out of the sky and tells us it's a new year so you know every every religion is going to have their thing um so the individual deities of voodoo have all the character of the gods of ancient greece um some capricious capricious some seductive some full of wrath um and this is kind of where we're going to dig into the eight most important voodoo gods so there's eight total that kind of reign the voodoo culture that you will see people trying to summon people practicing with um and just like people and i don't like saying the d word as you all know people um either believe that you know praying to god if you're a christian you pray to god for help in your life for strength for faith there are some people who are um, practice Satanism. They try and summon uh, the D word because they will bring them gifts. They will have an altar. They will offer things in exchange for something. There is something, there's an exchange there. Um, whereas in voodoo, it's not very different in the terms of deities and gods are what help people make the magic work. Um, they're these ancient century old beings who serve as intermediaries between man and this big God who they say is the, is basically like as in Christianity, our God is who this Bondi is. So, um, and again, I, I appreciate, um, I appreciate can we just rewind? Can I just get my brain cells back in order and can we try this again? Um, so... <laughs> So, uh, I apologize if I mispronounce some of these. I mean it in the highest respect. I don't mean to offend anybody, especially the gods for which I am trying to educate about. Um, so, Bondi is comparable to our god. He is... He's just larger than life. He is big, and he's so big that they... Peep, basically, like... It's said that you can't, people cannot communicate with him. He is this all-being, all-knowing, and he has 
these deities under him that serve as his communicators and the people that, you know, the things that we can comprehend. So leading up to that, that's what we call the, um, I don't know if it's called uh, Loa or Iowa. Um, it's, I think it's like IOA or LOA. I think I saw somebody write it as LOA. So it might be so Loa. I think. So the Loa or major divine beings of voodoo or Vodun are spirits who serve as intermediaries between man and Bondi, the supreme voodoo god. The Loa or, oh no, it's Loa. Yeah, Loa appear in different families, including the Gidi, Petro, and Rasha. They are typically considered lesser divine figures with the supreme god being Bondi, the creator. So, enslaved people in Haiti and Louisiana synchronized their Loa with the Catholic saints, and many of the Loa have corresponding figures in Catholicism. They are called upon in ritual by voodoo mambos or hoongan and are presented with offerings of food and drink before they are petitioned for assistance. Um, in some African traditional religions, the Orishas are worked with in addition to or instead of the Loa. The Orishas are the human form of spirits found in the Yoruba belief systems. So the Lua and Orishas are the divine spirits. So just kind of recapping. Um, found in the Haitian Vodun, 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 um, New Orleans Voodoo, and a number of African traditional religions. Offerings are typically made including food, drink, and they are honored in a ritual when the mambo or the hungan calls them to the ceremony. They have a very specific set of demands that must be met before they will grant favors to petitioners. So if you ask anybody who has worked with a god, a deity, a D-word, anything of that sort, when you practice from what I've researched and read, it is very specific. And if you do one, the reason that this is very harrowing and can be scary to some, this is why you don't want to mess with closed practices, is because if you mess one very tiny detail up, that small, in, like what people would consider insignificant detail, can completely derail you, could shut the whole operation down and waste everything that you've put into it. Um, there's just so many things that could go wrong. So they, until it is specifically met what they have required and what is asked for, whether it's a favorite drink, a favorite food, a certain flower, a certain herb, um, they may say like, hey, I want three mustard seeds. If you give them two or two and a half. Fuck around and find out. Exactly. Okay, there you go. Hashtag. <laughs> Hashtag. <laughs> also, really um, quick before I forget, because I'm yeah terrible at interrupting um i looked it up it's loa so it's like it's pronounced like lwa that's what i was thinking because that louisiana like tongue i'm like that's that's kind of how it sounds like it would roll off i mean it does sound like just not as much emphasis on the o so instead of loa it's just loa i guess loa okay so bondi who we talked about being the creator god found in voodoo religion all the Loa answer to him. So some of the ones that we're going to talk about, you guys have probably heard of. They One specific one who is very well known, probably one of the more powerful ones, um, was almost <clears throat> blamed for in the Caitlin Rustin case, which we will get to. Um, 
basically, like I said before, they serve as intermediaries between man and Bondi. So his existence is far beyond human comprehension and he's essentially unknowable to mankind and doesn't meddle around in the affairs of mortals so he is too good for us he is doing his own thing he is powerful and i say that respectfully that's not meant to be funny um he is just a very big god so his he has um spiritual workers that do his work um, so the one that we are going to specifically discuss today is papa legba so Papa Legba is the Loa associated with the crossroads. So people have many different versions of this. We may know it as the crossroads D word. Um, and he serves as an e- intermediary between man and the spirit world. So Legba has evolved in numerous ways from his origins in Africa. And in some places he is seen as a fertility god. He is portrayed with a large erect phallus. Put, put, put that together. Um, in other customs penis thank you Taylor Uh (laughs) Um, in other customs he is the trickster or he may appear as a protector of children so while some uh, cultures here in the US have demonized Papa Legba um, he does have some really good traits and and he um, from some of the research that I've done he is not as bad as he is portrayed to be um you know, it, there's a reason why he's around. Everybody has a job, has a responsibility. These are his. Um, so they say that Papa Legba appears in many forms in New Orleans voodoo and Haitian vo- voodoo associated with the colors red and black. He is usually portrayed as an older man in a straw hat or old tattered clothing. Papa Legba walks with a cane and is accompanied by a dog. So... He's one of the bigger ones. Keep him in mind as we're talking. Now, in relation to um, Papa Legba and then another entity who's going to be involved with the Caitlin Reston story, there's also a Haitian voodoo um, loa named Maman Bridget. And in Haitian voodoo, Maman Bridget is associated with death and the underworld. She is the consort of Baron Samedi and is often represented by a black rooster. There is a theory that Maman, Maman Bridget could be descended from Brigid, the Celtic goddess of the hearth fires and domestic life. So those who support this say she must have made her way to Haiti with Scottish and Irish indentured servants when they left their homelands. Um, And supporting this concept, Maman Brigitte is often portrayed as a light-skinned woman with red hair. So, I mean, I think that's pretty cool. It's neat that um, it's not... You know, it's it's kind of different than some of these um, other laws that we're seeing. Um, now, the next one that you're going to want to keep tabs on for our story later on in the podcast is Baron Samedi. So both Papa Legba and Baron Samedi have been portrayed in American Horror Story. They've been portrayed in The Princess Frog, um, which not a lot of people know, but there is some speculation that one of the characters is definitely based off him especially because the princess frog um is that what it's called isn't that what it's called frog princess princess and the frog i think oh no, something maybe. like tiana yeah princess and the frog i never watched the newer disney movie i think it's princess and the frog though okay yeah so there's a character i mean everything is loosely based off of um you know that louisiana culture um so 
Baron Samedi is the husband of Maman Brigitte. So he's the god of death and is both respected and feared as the keeper of the cemeteries. So he's often appears skeletal wearing a top hat and formal tails, as well as dark glasses. In addition to being associated with death, he is also a god of resurrection. Only Baron Samedi can welcome a soul to the realm of the dead. He is known for outrageous and lewd behavior, swearing and fornicating with other women other than his wife. Baron Smeddy is also the Loa to call upon for work with ancestors long dead and can cure any mortal wound, as long as the recipient is willing to pay his price, which the price can be steep, so keep that in mind. Yeah. Baron Smeddy is connected to powerful acts of magic and is the leader of the Guidi, Guidi or Guide, the family of the Loa who work with the dead. Um, the next one we're going to kind of like go over is Orzuli. Orzuli, the goddess of beauty and love, is the epitome of femininity and womanhood. According to Haitian professor Leslie Dismangles at Harvard's Trinity College, um, Azuli represents the cosmic womb in which divinity and humanity are conceived. She is the symbol of I'm going to probably butcher this, fecundity, the mother of the world who participates with the masculine forces in creation and maintenance of the universe. So, um, she's the more kind of feminine divine goddess. Um, Ogun is one of the Orisha who came to voodoo from the Yoruba belief system and is a god associated with warriors, blacksmiths, and the wheels of justice. So it's said that if you make a sacrifice of meat to Ogun, you'll be blessed with a successful hunt. Practitioners of Haitian voodoo call upon Ogun for matters related to war and conflict and make offerings of male animals. Roosters and dogs in particular seem to be his favorite. He is symbolized by an iron knife or machete and has a fondness for pretty women and good rum. I mean, I can't blame him for the good rum. I like good rum. <laughs> now, um, we're coming down to the wire here. The last couple is Dumbala. So in Haitian voodoo, in New Orleans voodoo, Dumbala is one of the most important Lua. He is the creator who helped the god Bondi make the cosmos and is represented by a giant serpent. His coils shape the heavens and earth and he is the keeper of knowledge, wisdom, and healing magic. Interestingly, he is associated with St. Patrick, who is said to have driven the snakes out of Ireland. Urzuli is his consort. Dumbala moves between land and sea and is... A never-ending force that represents the veneration of life. His female counterpart, Aida Widow, forms the rainbow. Now, the last one that we have here is Oshun. So one of the Orishas, Oshun is a goddess connected to rivers, streams, and water. Which I think is funny that it's spelled O-S-H-U-N. It's Ocean. Oh. Really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I had a, um, my brain had to process that for a second. No, you're good. You're good. Oh, my neck hurts. Um, but connected to rivers, streams, and water, she associated with beauty and sexuality as well as love and pleasure. Often found in the Yoruba and Ifa belief system, she is worshipped by her followers who leave offerings at riverbanks. Ocean is tied to wealth, and those who petition her for assistance can find themselves blessed with bounty and abundance. 
Ocean's colors include orange and golden yellow, as well as green and coral. Offerings to her can include fresh cinnamon, honey, and pumpkins, and many of her followers keep their altar to Ocean in the bedroom. So these are going to be your eight voodoo, vodun, um, orishas, lawa in these uh, practicing cultures. Um, so again, I'm going to give credit to Learn Religions for giving us some of that um, background research. Now, let's kind of dig really into... Before huh? you, I forget. <laughs> I did want to make a quick note just because I think it's important to point out because I know we were talking earlier before about like, you know, appro- uh, cultural appropriation, especially with like close practices and stuff. Um for those of you listening that are huge like American Horror Story fans I know you brought it up before I'm glad that I've actually done this research because when I was in I think high school when what was that season 3 it was Coven when it had come out I was like oh like you know now I know about like what I thought was Papa Legba and so over the years whenever I heard that name I was like oh I know who that is he looks like this that's another one of those examples where like people took the information and twisted it it, it kind of reminds me of like inappropriate appropriated telephone like a game of yeah. telephone and so the creators of you know American Horror Story like they took that information and somebody who had actually like pointed this out and I want others to know too, just in case, you know, if anybody's listening and they're like, oh, you know, I know that he he does this and this. Like somebody had said that um, how the one that they portrayed in the show isn't actually Papa Legba. They really portrayed Baron Samedi. Yeah. And how he's the one who wears, you said before, the top hat, paints his face white, and he's associated with skulls. Um, mm-hmm. But Papa Legba also... is not even described as that. He's like an yeah. older gentleman with a straw hat. Yeah, and they say that Baron fights black magic and loves children. So in the show, they portray him as like they. I think he wanted like children, like he wanted to eat children or something, or take their souls. I think it was kill them or eat their souls or something or eat them. And then that he also like snorts cocaine and he doesn't. But um he's like a protector of all children and they even said that like he doesn't allow children to die before their time so that's one of those like huge examples where if you see something on tv or social media like just double fact check it in case before you start like going and telling people because like i grew up always thinking that that was papa legba and then when i did my research i was like oh wait that's not and i listened to misinformation it's crazy not only that but if you a good point to why like you also don't dabble in cr- closed practices is um if you research it the actress on coven um who had to say some of the rituals and work with the papa legba segment of the show she ran into a lot of issues and she was the only one that was physically attacked and showed backfiring results from you know telling papa legba's story saying these rituals that she had no business saying that they really shouldn't about have queenie queenie yeah queenie oh, God. yeah she suffered um and she almost didn't want to say it you know for another take and there was a second time in the show where she was gonna have to say um the rituals and and i don't really know why i mean it's hollywood if you can fake like if you can do all this cgi stuff you can yeah. just write something some gobbledygook and pretend that it's 
a spell yeah. or a ritual. There's no reason you should be actually saying real rituals and a cl- when it's a closed practice. Yeah. That's the thing, though. Like, why pick specific pieces to actually be realistic on, but then choose other things? Like, if that was the case, like, they should have at least portrayed him the way he should have been portrayed and then, like, made up some shit just to be safe. But even yeah. that, I mean, like, they probably shouldn't have put him But they in were there afflicted. The I mean, place. they paid the yeah. price. Yeah. They paid the price, and that and that just goes to show, yet again, this is why hashtag fuck around find out. Like, <laughs> just don't do out. it. Like, <laughs> like, it's that simple. Um, so getting back to Papa Legba, um, Papa Legba is, like we said, associated with crossroads, gates, and doors. Um, offerings that a lot of people, when they're trying to summon him, will include alcohol, specifically rum, uh, tobacco, and candy. Um, and basically, he he's very powerful. Um, with Papa Legba, a lot of people seek him out. And like Taylor was talking about, they, they're seeking him out for things. Like, if they're not... Um, familiar with the practice people will be seeking out papa legba for something that um baron samedi is really the person that they should be seeking out for and vice versa um so papa legba actually came to blame um and in this recent case with this caitlin rustin um and a lot of people who know the religion and know the culture say this is doesn't sound like something that Papa Legba would do. And were and some of the people who practice the religion were actually able to, according to their account, reach out to him. And he said it was not him that caused the tragedy that occurred, but in fact it was um, Samedi. So, you know, there. This is why it's very important and why we keep stressing the fact that. Um, don't practice religions that are closed that you know nothing about or know little to nothing about because you could be creating very adverse effects um and so it's very disrespectful and it's just like there's with today's day and age how many different options we have to accommodate to not disrespect there really isn't much reason for it to happen if if Um, you're trying to bring like if you're trying to summon him, you're either do you're probably either doing it for attention or there's some like ridiculous reason cuz like unless you're in that culture and you know the information and you are part of that like line, you shouldn't even be like thinking about it. Like I don't even know why that's like a thought in somebody's mind. Like if you're doing it, it's got to be because you want to like go back and tell people, "Oh, you know, I talked to you know, I talked to Papa Legba and I'm really cool now. I feel like people gotta be doing it for, like, attention or something. Because why else would you be doing it? Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, that's just my opinion on it, but... Good opinion, though. Um... So, Legba is strongly associated with Crossroads magic and is referenced in a number of early 20th century blues tunes from the area of Mississippi Delta. Um, So, this is actually a pretty famous tale and it's told a lot um, down south is famed bluesman Robert Johnson is said to have met a spirit at the crossroads and offered him his soul in exchange for musical success. 
Um, it's a story that's been told many, many times, just like any folklore has been kind of twisted and you'll hear different versions and variations of it. Um, but eventually the story was twisted to say that Johnson met the devil. Um, and that's not quite true. And musical folklorists do believe that the tale is rooted in racist ideology. And instead, Johnson really met Legba at the crossroads where he had gone seeking guidance and wisdom. So with Papa Legba being a master communicator, he said to speak the languages of all human beings. So it doesn't matter what crossroads you meet him at to summon him, um, what you speak, you know, things like that. He will show up. He will communicate, obviously, contingent on upon following all of the necessary steps and being able to practice in the closed practice. Um, he then also translates petitions and delivers them to Lua. He is a teacher and a warrior, but also keep in mind that he is a trickster deity. Legba is a remover of obstacles and can be consulted to help find new positive opportunities thanks to his ability to open doors and new roads. So this is, I think, why he's highly sought after, because as we know as humans, it life is complicated. And I'm sure if we could, at the snap of our fingers, have a, a magical deity remove those obstacles. I mean, they tell you that's why people sell their souls. Um, you want a new car. You want a house. You want a million dollars. You want your music career to take off. Um, you know, you've always heard um, the saying, you know, making a deal with the devil. And that's kind of where Legba has become associated as he is the crossroads D word. And in exchange for your soul, you can have the world's riches or whatever it is that you seek. Um, so that's kind of where he's at and he's the one to reach out to. However, he does expect prompt payment in exchange for his assistance. So where a lot of people are, I'm going to use the American credit card as a, um, what do you call that? A, uh, like are just our imagery here so credit card it's fun to spend on but when the piper needs to be paid it sucks because you have interest and you got to pay that sucker off and it's no different with the loi you know they all have a price and the problem that a lot of people who are dabbling run into is it's all fun and games you know you're making a million dollars your career takes off you know whatever it is that you bargain for but at the end of your road, there's a price to pay. And so hashtag fuck around, find out. It's going to be the theme of the show tonight. So um, he basically has a symbol um, that needs to be drawn to summon him. And then uh, there also is a chant, which I am not going to say. Um, but he is just like any other Lua there's there's steps there's things to do so um now we're going to kind of touch upon baron samedi so baron samedi the law of haiti basically baron samedi um the he, how he's represented is the first person so say you have a completely empty cemetery it's just a plot of land that's it, it's expected to be a cemetery at some point somebody dies and they get buried there they basically become the equivalent of Baron Samedi. They are the gatekeeper. They are the um, just the person who is the um, 
is the guy who takes charge of the underworld and death the grim reaper as some may call him um so basically he what we think happened in this case that we're going to discuss is that um legba got blamed for the tragedy that occurred with this girl caitlin rustin and then after research and people who practice the religion reaching out it was really apparent that it was not in fact legba but this um loa baron samedi so this is where it's important to know your loa know who you're kind of messing with um and we're gonna kind of talk about his like unique role so we already talked about his description um and how he is seen and how he's described in hollywood and things like that but just like the greek gods which is said that he's a mix of um he's like a mix of hades and the thanatos i don't know how to say that thanatos um so basically he guides the souls of the dead into the afterlife and he rules over the underworld ensuring that the dead remain dead so even though he's not a deity like hades or thanatos he is kind of the angel of death and a little bit more on the eccentric side so a little bit of a mix but still his own person so he like the grim reaper is able to decide who should die and who can go on living um he is the power over life and death and so what we're going to kind of talk about with caitlin rustin was that one Caitlin, um, God rest her soul, we are not trying to pick on her, naively went into a situation with ego, anger, and I, I don't know if contempt's the right word, but just she knew kind what of, she was doing. She knew what she was doing, but I don't think she realized to the extent or maybe didn't believe how... I don't know, because when I was reading... Um, somebody said that Twitter and Facebook users warned her not to try it, but she insisted and said everyone should be allowed to practice whatever spirituality they want to practice. And she even added and said for everyone to shut the fuck up and let me be. True. I did forget about that part. That's kind <laughs> of... So I don't know. I'm like... Yeah. I mean, I feel bad because I don't want anything to ever happen to anybody, but like, she fucked around and found out. Yeah, so... Basically, anyone who is looking to evoke or connect with the dead, they need to contact Baron because he, his main goal is to kind of prevent zombies. That's literally what it says is that he was, he, it's put in place because he believes that there's the living and there's the dead and they sh there should not be a place where they can come and go freely. That the dead, once they're dead, they need to stay dead. And it's kind of like you need to stay on your side of the, the road. So he doesn't believe in these zombies coming back to bother the living. So if you want to connect with the dead in this culture, he is the person that you have to summon and get permission from because he will allow the dead to connect to the living world or not. So um, he also will be asked to... Oh, excuse me. That's okay, I've been he, yawning this whole episode. Lord, I'm like, maybe I'm, I'm like, <laughs> you just sent me one. He just yawned. Um, but he also is the person that you would summon if you're trying to 
get rid of ghosts. So if you're being haunted, no matter what the entity is, he's the per he's the only person in this culture believed to be able to get rid of it. Um, and he also is asked, he's, which I think is kind of, I guess I don't really understand it, but he's asked to ward off death, but he is death. So I don't know if that's kind of how that works um, in a sense. So I thought that was kind of interesting. So, um, just like our other um, Legba, he, again, will expect gifts for his deeds. Um, and that can vary according to his mood, because apparently he is moody and has different modes that he's in and that will kind of determine how helpful he is feeling or how unhelpful he is feeling um and so his biggest gifts that people will give him is spicy rum cigars or black coffee with this uh entity he is very extreme he likes his drinks the spiciest spiciest that he can get them he likes his cigars like hardcore as dark as you can get them and just straight up like the blackest of coffee so he that's, is that's no joke nasty. yeah he is he is uh he's a strong that's, what I'm saying. I, that's strong. all the opposites of things <laughs> that i like yeah and what they do say though is that even though he carries a very heavy demeanor to him he does have a softer side to him and he is very I will give him kudos in the sense that he is said to be very just and kind. So he is justified and he will never do something that is not justified. Um, so he has a soft spot for children. He's very humanitarian. He prefers that children live absolutely full lives before they meet him. That is his belief system. Um, much of his time is spent lingering at the crossroads between life and death. And this shows that he knows the value of life and wants the person he is transporting to the afterlife to have a complete life. So he is also a protector of life, which is a big one. Having the power to cure any disease or wound, but he will only do so if the person is worth saving. So he is powerful enough to counteract powerful curses and hexes as well, which also makes him a hot commodity. So keep in mind everything that we've talked about between Samedi and Legba. Now we are going to kind of dig into the case of um, Caitlin Rustin. So I'm going to pass the torch to Taylor because I think I've done enough talking. Oh, shit. <laughs> I gotta pull it up. Um, <clears throat> but basically the gist of it was Caitlin Samedi was a young girl um, who, as far as um, I knew, did I say Caitlin Samedi? I meant to say uh, Caitlin Rustin. Good lord. <laughs> There's so many names going on. Um, she was, from what I know, fighting with um she's from virginia she decided to dabble in the dark arts by practicing haitian voodoo spells um and unfortunately many are have come to the conclusion that they do think that it was a fatal mistake and that um unfortunately she did lose her life to dabbling in a closed practice culture and not knowing what she was doing and summoning up a, um uh, a loa that she was not intending to. Um, this is where Papa Legba kind of got a bad rep. He was blamed for her death. Um, and 
legend says that Legba will give permission to speak with the spirits of Gani. And in Haitian culture, he's known as a great executioner or electrocutioner. And we already kind of went through all of this. So she was seeking out help from him and wanted to reach out to him and had asked multiple people on social media forums how to reach Legba because one, um, I think she was trying to hex correct an ex-girlfriend um and the ex-girlfriend was black um and many people said that this is probably why it also did not go well for her um because of uh her ethnicity versus her ex-girlfriend's ethnicity um she is caucasian and was trying to summon a Lua from a closed practice religion, um, which is likely what people were saying is really what backfired and went so wrong. Um, she was found dead in her bathtub at her mother's home, um, and they ruled it as a drowning. However, uh, obviously, as we all know, like... <clears throat> It's kind of a weird place to drown and the things that took place prior to her being found dead um she had some pretty weird claims and was reaching out for help in a very strange way prior to her death um you want to touch upon that um i'm gonna find it (laughs) no because i found i found the basic um one but i'm trying to find the one I might have found it because um, she was I mean she's pretty active on Twitter oh she was posting okay, a I have lot some of, stuff. of it <clears throat> she said well they said um so after she had passed um the account that she had became a roller coaster of a, of a ride a GoFundMe campaign was open for her infant daughter um, once words spread around the community, screenshots of Reston's social media accounts began to circulate. In the month prior, she had tweeted a picture of a doll baby, often called a voodoo doll, that seemed to include locks of the target's hair. Another post from a closed group occurred two days prior to her passing and claimed she had seen Papa Legba and was scared. It seems that those two posts combined led people to believe Reston was attempting to summon African spirits purposefully, ignoring that doll babies are not associated with summoning spirits. At some point, the claim began circulating that the official cause of death was ruled an anxiety attack in the bathtub. This is odd because anxiety attack is not a cause of death and is unlikely to lead to drowning in a bathtub. Which is just so strange because, I mean... Um, she claimed to have seen Papa Legba himself seven, seven, several days earlier, um, and people didn't think anything of it, and they just kept warning her, like, not to practice, yeah. you know, voodoo. And there was a she lot was of- wicked, correct? I think so, yeah. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure she was wicked. Interesting, too, because the rumors also continued, so I don't know if this is true or not, rumors- um, that there was claims that she actually was trying to weaponize the practice to target her ex-girlfriend. Yeah, that's what I read. Targeting. And so that's what people were saying really like backfired. Um, and so it's just sad because she does <clears throat> leave behind a daughter. Um, 
and somebody on Facebook who is said to have practiced this religion and has insight to connecting to these um, Loas said that they did a reading on her and that they in fact got in touch with Papa Legba and he said that it was not him and that she had also seen evidence that it was not him but instead it was another Haitian voodoo spirit which we know is Baron who is the master of the dead so that would be the Baron Smedi that we had talked about earlier now what I would be curious is to you know what what happened like like the events that unfolded and you know truly besides just the, what she thought was Papa Legba which like you said if she had an idea of who Papa Legba was and it's not and it's actually yeah. Baron Samedi because they portray him as Papa Legba um, you know what else did she see in those coming days but like if that was the case she definitely didn't do any of her research then because like she must have just been like, oh, you know, I heard about this guy who, you know, I've heard about this Loa that does, you know, things yeah. that can, like, you know, get people or whatever. So, like, let me do this to my ex-girlfriend, despite, like, what it says. Like, I'm not even going to do research. I'm just going to look out how to do it. And that's that. Yeah. And I will... um I'm going to see here in a second if I can share, um, like, share my screen. Um, Because I do think it's important for, like, you to be able to see some of her Twitter posts. So, um, can you see that? Just, yeah, I was literally just looking at some of the, what I call receipts. Yeah. you, You have the exact same ones. So this is directly from Kate Rustin's profile. So as you can see, she had locks um, and was setting fire to a doll um, that has human hair on it. Um, And so what people are saying what the problem is with this is, is ethnicity-wise, her ex-girlfriend was black, she was white, um, and through... uh, I guess the black ancestral culture and how, you know, what voodoo kind of supports. And I don't really understand if I'm saying this correctly, um, but that it was just not the right thing to do and that it was surely going to backfire because of that as well. Um, So she would, I mean, she posted a lot of odd stuff um, and I think was a little bit maybe like mentally um, unwell. Which I think that to kind of go into the aspect of mental illness dabbling, I mean, this is all creating the perfect storm for something like this to happen. Um, And so it's created a lot of stir on social media. It's created a lot of stir on Twitter and, you know, people really getting into what really happened you know was this just a coincidence was this supernatural i mean what are your thoughts i don't know the only thing that i am curious to know now that i know because i actually didn't see the information about who she was doing it to a part of me is now wondering like i obviously don't know her on the i won't ever know do you think it was like where she comes from But I don't, I'm like wondering if maybe 
there's a thought in my mind that like why why out of all the different practices and all the hexes and all like you know especially if she's wiccan why she chose to do you know summoning what she thought was papa legba to her ex-girlfriend who was a person of color you know what i mean like that's a little fucked up and maybe i'm thinking too much into it but like there's so many other things she could have done why did she specifically pick like that's where i'm questioning like was she racist well i mean then again i'm probably thinking too into it because she couldn't have been if you know i mean maybe because she was dating her but at the same time i don't know it's just like i don't know go ahead no where i thought and i'm sorry to cut you off but what like where i thought you were going with that was like and it kind of just like opened my mind up was what if when she posted it on twitter like her ex-girlfriend saw that and maybe like returned to sender maybe because i feel like that's a good thought like i mean think about it if you see somebody creating a voodoo of you voodoo doll of you on social media which is stupid to do in the first place you're literally outing yourself exactly and so you're creating a voodoo doll say she has a string of bad luck or something happens maybe it wasn't even done right and now you have a a mad ex-girlfriend who knows that you're practicing a voodoo what's to say that she can't go find somebody who actually is spiritually inclined in the culture in the practice and say hey i'm done like disconnect return to sender and protect me from her so maybe all the while she's trying to summon this legba or whoever it was that she actually summoned and it backfired and it resulted in her death because of the amount of harm i mean as you know with any kind of practice whether it's witchcraft or anything there's the rule of 10 you know that tenfold like Mm -hmm. if you mess with somebody you have to know that like what you put out you're gonna get it back tenfold Mm -hmm. so what's to say that she didn't put that out there ex-girlfriend got mad and was like all right return to sender and then you know what if it was like you know theoretically it's just a theoretical idea theoretical theoretical (laughs) um what if there was a possibility that maybe she did summon papa legba and her girlfriend her ex-girlfriend saw it and sent baron samedi after her Mm. like you know sent like a return to sender type of thing i don't know that's just i I just would love to be like too deep into it it's sad but you can't help but dig too much into it because there's like it's so simple but it's so creepy like i do feel bad but at the same time like if you look at everybody commenting she she literally did it to herself she was arrogant about it which i think yeah. is what makes it worse she knew like, what she was doing it's one thing if it was like she didn't know all the information and like say she wasn't posting about it on social media so like nobody around her was being like oh you know maybe you should be careful and she had no information on it that i can understand but like the fact that she was posting about it deliberately on social media was telling people to literally shut up and leave her alone yeah and she knew what she was doing and she knew the consequences and the risks like it just says yeah a lot especially for her ego and like even in just like her death reading the comments you you know people on twitter there had to have been tons of people who are like girl don't do it Mm. like because like 
there's one lady, um, Claude Feliciana, she commented, unless a person has Haitian ancestry in their family already, they're not supposed to be messing with it. It's ancestral and each family has their own spirits that they work with. If you don't have roots in Haiti, do not mess with it. Those spirits are not, ain't no joke and they don't take kindly to people claiming them that have no ancestral right to do so. And so people keep talking about how they don't even want to know what her final minutes were like like it must have been terrifying and to think that she was probably escorted by the same entity so mm-hmm. if it was baron Smeddy, i mean he's That's walking terrifying. her personally into the afterlife and he pretty much has the say over life and death in that culture is what they believe so i mean that's so like scary it's terrifying and like this is why it's also important in any culture um now that you know what a closed and an open practice is you also need to learn the 101 of protection cleanse and like keeping yourself safe if you're going to practice things even if you even if you are ancestral um lineage whatever it is you have the right to do so by blood um you still need to take proper precautions when working with the spirit world to protect yourself Um, So I think that this is a prime example of why you need to do your research. You need to know that this is is dangerous. Just simply put. You know, it's... it's, Hashtag fuck us and find out. Hashtag Hashtag fuck us and find out. (laughs) I hope somebody creates a remix of that and turns it into a song. (laughs) Maybe the new Girlfriend Hour anthem. Um, so yeah, so that's, that's what we got for, um, all of the Loa, the god of voodoo and voodoo culture, um, you know, thanks for hanging with us and we highly encourage if anybody who's listening has um, interesting stories about voodoo or experiences and things that they've seen or have done themselves or experienced or really just has any inside firsthand experience about these Lawa or any of them that they've worked with, we'd love to hear from you. Um, so, you know, you can reach out to us at the ghoulfriendhourpod at gmail.com or you can go to the Instagram. Just search up the ghoulfriend hour. I think there's a bunch of underscores. Um, but if you search it up, we have a link tree with everything in it where you can reach out to us or you can DM us. Um, we also have a Facebook page. So there's plenty of ways to get in touch with us. Um, you can leave your comments on the podcast. Um, we have a little section for, you know, leave your responses and thoughts and questions comments concerns but i mean we would love to hear more about this mm-hmm. Rhett taylor yes ma'am so thanks for joining us and as always until next time let's get weird let's get weird oh sorry let's get weird let's get weird <laughs> <laughs> i can't <laughs> just fart into the microphone Good tomorrow. <laughs> Fuck around, find out. <laughs> All right, we love you guys, and we will see you next Wednesday, six thirty sharp. Yes, and stay please. tuned because I think we're gonna try and dabble in some live video feeds. I thought you were gonna say some scary shit. I thought you were gonna say like we're gonna dabble in something that we shouldn't. And I was like, Oh my god, no! I'm like, we just did a whole, a whole. No, like I thought you were gonna say some like. 
like seance or like ghosty shit. I'd be like, no, I'm okay. I'm no, okay. no, no. We are just going to, um, we're going to maybe see if we can't work something out with maybe doing some cool live Zoom podcast episodes and just some bonus stuff. So stay tuned for that. And like I said, until next time, one more time, Taylor. Let, oh, sorry. Wait, wait, no, no. Oh, let's, oh, let's get let's weird. Get weird. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs>